This is Iris Enchanted, and you are listening to Massacast. This podcast is for folks 18 and up, so whether you are an adult or a little in an adult's body, please note that this is for adults only. Enjoy! Hi, and uh, thanks for downloading another episode. I'm working my balls off this weekend. I don't even know if I have my balls right now. Uh, Son actually been out of town for her uh, bachelorette weekend with a bunch of friends, and uh, she's on her way back right now, so uh, I can't wait to hear all the details. Hopefully, uh, no laws were broken. I may have to do another fundraising campaign just to get bail money. Uh, Speaking of fundraising, two people uh, donated this last uh, month. Thank you both. You know who you are. Uh, One donated uh, five bucks, another ten. Very, you know, just, just incredibly sweet of you. Thank you so much for supporting the show. This episode is uh, The Return of Naylan Blake. A few months ago, uh, on Twitter and everywhere, uh, uh, we decided to do something Naylan and I have wanted to try for a while, and that's Ask a Gay Guy. So any question you might have, uh, he'd, be, he'd be game for it. And so that's what this episode is. Your questions uh, for Naylan. And uh, as always, it was a, a great time. Actually, I had a very important question to ask him as well, and uh, and you'll hear it right here. Welcome back to the show. This is we had talked about this. I think the first time you were on was yeah, it the I think first so. or second time? I, I think the first. And uh, and I had mentioned it a few times, and it was one of those things where um, apparently you really have to tell people a lot about it mm-hmm. for them to kind of go, oh, okay. And also, when it comes to podcasts, when you say to someone. Hey, ask questions or email me for whatever or rate it on iTunes. People say, oh, someone else will do that. That's what kind of people just, you know. Right. I think we mentioned it the second time and uh, people were just like, oh, that's going to happen. Okay. And then this time I blogged about it. We tweeted about it. And we've got a lot of good questions for Ask a Gay Guy. And what kind of – I had the first Ask a Gay Guy question. I actually ended mm-hmm. up calling you up mm-hmm. because something happened to me and I'm like – Oh my God, I've, I've got to find the answer to this. And it's not that I—it's not that you're my only gay friend. It's that you're the person who I know. Number one, could understand the humor behind this. Mm-hmm. I, I needed a friend who I knew had an equal level of of uh, empathy towards my my plight, and also uh, had a, a specific sense of humor who I knew would be able to understand the context. Mm-hmm. So you already know what what the the setup, but for the listeners' sake, yeah, yeah, and also just to remind you because it's been like a month since I told you about since it. we talked, yeah. And this is also great for you because you are also in the art world. Mm-hmm. First of all, how are you? Are you good? I'm I'm pretty good. This yeah, time. I'm getting over some some illness. That's but, good. Uh, this is they they say the doctor says uh, drink lots of liquids and podcasts as much yes. as you can. Yeah. So this will hopefully, yeah, your- hopefully clear out my post New Year's Eve crud. <laughs> this is good. Originally, we were going to do that on the second. Yes. <laughs> Believe me, it was. Um, it 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 would be like those like last interviews with Judy Garland or something. <laughs> if it had been the second, it would have. I know. So, what did you do for New Year's? Uh, I get together with a group of friends every New Year's. Yeah. Um, at an undisclosed location, wow. we'd spend usually two um, two days together, and it's a very laid back, almost 
orgy, but really like we steep in each other's affections is the way that I would put it. So I've always envied people who have New Year's traditions that span the decades with their close Mm -hmm. friends or something. Uh, the first time I remember being jealous of this was when I heard of Jerry, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's, uh, New Year's tradition. I, I don't. He and Paul Reiser, Larry David, and about three or four other comedians, they walk across the Brooklyn Bridge every year on New oh. Year's Day. I'm not saying that's the same as your orgy. Mm-hmm. You're almost mm-hmm. orgy, but I've always been a little jealous of people who have this sort of New Year's tradition. Are these friends who you've known for a long time that this orgy? It's, I come to it fairly recently. I'd say this is probably about the sixth year in a row that, that um that I've done it and it's uh the nice thing about it is that we're it's it's optional as to whether or not we watch the ball drop so um there's a couple of people who usually really like to see it happen and then um I've sort of drifted into the party that wants no idea like I like I don't want to know when it's kicked over into the new year right so um it's the the thing that's that's really nice about it is that it feels like it's uh it it's a longer standing tradition but it's one that I'm being kind of introduced to. So uh the ball drop for me uh has changed since I moved to New York. Uh-huh. Used to be the ball drop was that was the, every year from the time I was a kid to the time I moved until I moved to New York. Uh, the ball drop. That was the big. You yeah. had to, everyone had to yeah, watch yeah. the ball drop. And when I was in, in Central Time, you'd watch it at eleven, and you still had an hour to party. Mm-hmm. Now the ball drop. If I even hear about that, I'm like, God, God, those poor people pissing on the street. It's just hor- met. I, yeah. I've lost all my appreciation for it. Yeah. Once you once you attempt to get close to it, <laughs> yes. you realize how vile humanity is. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it used to be a celebration, and now it's yeah. like those poor bastards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, and it's also it's that thing. I mean, certainly for me, growing up as a kid, and I grew up here in New York. Yeah, we never went. It was never anything that I ever did with my with my family. But we would we'd have like a big um, spaghetti meal um, the night of uh, New Year's Eve. And then the big treat was that I would go to sleep and my parents would wake me up like right before New Year's right. and we'd have like cold spaghetti leftovers. <laughs> and that was like super exciting. Like, cold spaghetti. Yeah. It's, it's like a food that I associate completely with like New Year's Eve. That's great. Yeah. And the closest thing I ever did to celebrating in uh, my New Year's downtown was uh, I was at a Black Crows concert with a woman I met of Craigslist. Uh, New Year's Eve at Madison Square Garden, and the woman was bat shit crazy as it turned out. Mm. It was, uh, but it was makes for a good story. It makes for a good story. So, um, so are you ready for Ask a Gay Guy? I am. I'm so ready for this question. You, you have no. So idea. there are a whole bunch of questions, but yeah. mine is sort of like the kickoff. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and this is, I, this, I'm very curious about your answer. I told you this over the phone. You didn't tell me the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's. I'm going to set the stage. We were at a photo uh, as a gallery opening for Natasha Gornick. She mm-hmm. had some photos uh, uh, on display and we were you know, going to support our friend. And we've been to some gallery openings in the past, but not many. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it's myself, Natasha, our friends, uh, Alex, Veronica, and we're all, and some other friends. And the gallery is packed. It's just absolutely, it's in the lower side. Mm-hmm. And it's just yeah, completely packed. 
And um, I look around, and there are people there who are walking around in, um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, I, if, the, if it was, if it was the eighties, it would be, they would have been dressed like flock of seagulls, maybe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, but extremely expensive, very expensive looking suits, but mm-hmm. they're super tight mm-hmm. maybe, or maybe one of them has a, a domino on his head mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and some are wearing like old timey like suspenders, but it's, mm-hmm. it's clear the suspenders are made of some sort of like uh, some wool that's was you know taken from an, an alpaca mm-hmm. that cost five billion dollars or something. And there's this vibe of it's not hipsterism. Mm-hmm. It wasn't hipster. Mm-hmm. It was too expensive for hipster. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, but I'm looking around. And I'm and I said um, I said to some of my friends I said there's a there's a lot of fancy lads uh, around here mm-hmm. and and I kept saying we kept seeing fancy lads and dandies there's a lot of dandies mm-hmm. here too. Mm-hmm. and uh, originally when I first told you the story I thought my friend Veronica took umbrage to it mm-hmm. in that uh, thinking that I was being offensive to like I was being uh, I don't know what the phrase would be, but I thought she, when we talked about it later, I thought she was saying like, look, you're making fun of, of people who might be dressed effeminately or something, mm-hmm. which wasn't the case. What I was just put off by was the uh, extreme snootiness and pompousness of mm-hmm. the, you know, uh, I don't know what that noise was, but that's what it is. Mm-hmm. So I kept saying fancy lad and she asked, like, well, what's that from? And then I played for her. I sent her a YouTube clip. And we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we can put the clip in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clip of uh, David Letterman mm-hmm. in Cabin Boy. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with the scene? Uh, yes, I am. You, you, old man. Look, I am in desperate need of assistance. Well, well, well. What's on your mind, little girl? I realize that you are most likely the product of lower-class inbreeding, but perhaps you could help me. Oh, gosh, I certainly hope so. I have been wandering this dreary village in hopes of finding the Queen Catherine. You wouldn't have any idea where she might be docked, would you? Ah, uh, you know what you are? You're, you're one of those little, uh, fancy lads, aren't you? <laughs> Boy, you're cute. Okay. Gosh, what a sweet little outfit. Is it your little spring outfit? Yeah. <laughs> You couldn't be cuter. You're so adorable. Oh, my. You know, you remind me of my niece, Sally. Lovely girl. She's she's a dietitian. Hey, would you like to buy a monkey? And it turns out my friend Veronica was very upset by that scene, not by me. Mm-hmm. Right? But it brings up two, two questions. Number one, uh, I don't know the... I, I started saying, my God, was I... Because I was saying fancy lads and dandies, not super loud. I was going to say, hey, look at all the dandies in here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I was saying it so that a passerby mm-hmm. was, I was kind of like under my breath. But, you know, speaking to someone from the art world and as a gay guy, mm-hmm. you, you're like, you've got, you got uh, the accreditation. You can speak on both. Bo- 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 mm-hmm. uh, was that, would that be construed as offensive, do you think? And maybe I don't, you probably wouldn't be offended, but. You kind of have to speak on behalf of mm-hmm. <laughs> on, on behalf of dandies everywhere. Well, I, I don't, you're not a. Would you would you would call you, yourself a dandy? 
let, we're, let's have a little discussion about okay. this. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. This Here we go. So the, so the first thing I, I want you to understand. Okay. Is I'm, I'm completely tickled by it. Like when you related this story to me, um, I was instantly kind of tickled by it. I mean, and on one hand, I, uh, Cabin Boy is one of my favorite movies. Um, and, uh, um, so I, so I, I love it. Um, but the thing that really tickled me about it is that you handed over leverage. Leverage. By asking me to be sort of the arbiter of this, like that, like to be able to dispel your discomfort, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. You gave me that bit of power. This is true. This is and true. this is and and um and one of the things I've learned over my years in the kink community is watch out for leverage. <laughs> so. I've been enjoying my my little bit of power, my ability to either dispel or not dispel this you've had, for you. You've had this at your disposal, and you've probably been weighing on one hand, on the other hand. This well, is- I don't, you know, I just, let's, we, I'm, I'm fine with both of us just sitting here and acknowledging that I have it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, just keep that in mind. Sure, okay. Where I'm just... You know, you're the judge. We're, we're in this always position. thinking. Exactly. Right. Um, and uh, so, you know, far be it for me to say, uh, like, it, you know, New York City art openings are one of the most, you know, emotionally fraught circumstances you can imagine. Right. right? Um, we're Americans. We don't have a class system. But uh, we uh, we are desperate for some way to establish social hierarchy yes. um, within these situations that we find ourselves that are completely emotionally unstable and distressing. Yes. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that there was a fair amount of attitude being thrown, whether or not that was hipster attitude, whether or not that was, you know, the people dress up to go to these things because you need your armor. Right. Okay. Sure. Right. You need, you need, um, you need something that's going to keep you safe. Okay. So there's that part of it. And there's, and, um, and there's no, I'm, I'm completely there with you when uh, like I go to those things and you're just like, Oh my God, folks get over yourselves. You know, the, um, the amazing way in which New Yorkers can train themselves to occupy, um, you know, spaces that are inches away from each other and yet completely act as if there's no one else in their vicinity yes. and that they, they, there's nothing to acknowledge. Yes. Right. That is, I also felt like it was in a scene from LA story when they were just being extremely, you know, mm-hmm. when LA story with Steve Martin, mm-hmm. there's like some very pompous people in that, in those scenes as well that yeah. he makes fun of it. So there is that. Okay. Uh, on the other hand, I went back and like, you know, just reacquainted myself <laughs> 
um, with the Letterman scene sure. in in there, and you know, here's the deal. I mean, one of the things that's great about that movie is that you know Chris Elliott is coming from a school for fancy lads. Mm-hmm. He's sort of, and he is set up. In, in the movie, like every it doesn't matter like what context he finds himself in, everybody thinks he's completely obnoxious. Yeah. So even among like his fellow fancy lads, he is a, an irritation. Yes. Right. Yes. So you don't feel and and he c- treats everybody around him with contempt. So by the time he gets to meeting the Letterman character you don't feel that he's really possibly a victim in any way. Right. Right. Cause he's just so, uh, you know, it's so sort of, um, overbearing and, and, and irritating. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, but if you were to look at that scene without having seen the setup, then you think about what happens in that scene. So now we just played, a part of the clip, right? People, um, and it's when he says, "Like, is it your little spring outfit?" Right. Right. Letterman's like, "Oh, you're a big girl. Right. You're so." He's like, "He's he's like, you're one of them fancy lads." He immediately calls him a girl. He asks him about his outfit. He's like, "Spring outfit." Like, yes. "Oh, big girl has a big appetite." Oh, you know. Um, so, which I still can't stop laughing at because of the scene. Right. It 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 is funny, and it's Letterman's delivery. But um, as somebody who grows up with the fear of being called a faggot, sure, with the fear of being called a girl, like you're not really a boy, you're a girl, like all, like all of that stuff, um, takes on a really different tone. Absolutely. And what's the last thing that Letterman says in that scene? Man, oh man, do I hate them fancy lads? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and so I think, you know, let's separate out Fancy Lad from Dandy sure. at, at, this, at this moment. Um, my reading of what happened was <laughs> there you were in a context that you were not really familiar with. Right. Confronted by a lot of people, yes. but like, you know, exhibiting all sorts of different attitude. And... The way that you got a bit of your power back was by passing judgment. Sure. Right? Um, And by passing judgment as kind of like a regular Joe. Right. um, As opposed to one of these like, you know, hyper attenuated dude, fancy types. Right. Um, And the problem is that... It's still a patriarchal move. So here's a question. Yeah. How does one make fun of pompous New York artsy types uh-huh. without saying, boy, there's sure are a lot of pompous New York artsy types around here? Well, or, what's, or, what's wrong with saying that? Well, I don't know. I think I'd be, just because I love I love the Letterman delivery of Fancy Lads so much, I just kept going back to that. And I think I originally said dandies. I think I said dandies mm-hmm. at first, mm-hmm. too. My, my thing is, is that, okay... And obviously, there's no way for anyone else to know this about me. Is that uh, I don't care. 
I, I want to be able to make fun of someone regardless of sexual orientation, right? Uh, but it's hard to do that. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying I'm I'm being repressed because right, you know right. Um, I want to be able to make fun of someone for being a pompous ass, right? Without having to say, look, I don't know what your sexual orientation is, but you're a pompous ass, and mm-hmm. regardless of your sexual orientation, right? right? Um, but it's a win if they're straight, obviously, right? In that situation, right? And again, I'm I'm not I'm not being the victim here, right? Right. I just want to make sure for myself and for the benefit of the listeners, yeah, yeah, right? because there's probably other people out there who just kind of default to something that is inadvertently offensive to someone, right? Um, how do you make fun of someone based on who they are, not what they are? Um, I think, I think that you try to make fun of them based on what they do. In other words, the, the thing that was problematic about those pompous people is that they were being rude. Right. Right. So if we think about etiquette, the basis of etiquette is to operate with consideration for the, for the circumstances of those around you. Empathy. Yeah. Yeah. It requires empathy. And, and so if someone is being rude, that's totally fair game. Right. Yeah. You know, I think like, you know, I, at, at my worst, when I've been like really angry with somebody, you know, in a public situation because of that kind of obliqueness, Mm -hmm. I'll just be like, Oh, that's okay. I wasn't really here. That's all right. I under, I understand. It's really easy to overlook me. (laughs) 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 You know, which, which says nothing at all about like, but you know, overlook me because you're an irritating (laughs) homophobe or whatever, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make any of the subjects. It's just like, Oh, I get it. You know, I understand. (laughs) It's difficult. You know, what I'm looking forward to is uh, because you are in the art scene Mm -hmm. and because I have many friends who are in the art scene, Mm -hmm. there is a good chance you and I will be at a gallery opening without planning, without planning ahead of time. Right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, because I would love to do two things. Number one, and like I went to uh, MoMA Mm -hmm. uh, this last year and I think I even tweeted, where's Nayland? I want Nayland here to a help explain some of this stuff to me, mm-hmm. right? Because Saad is sort of, she's in a position she's given up on me. Mm-hmm. In some things like if there's a, like there's a at the moment there's like someone's fingernail clippings, right? It's mm-hmm. just a big thing, and I'm like, that's where my dad kicks in. Where all I can think of is what the hell, you know? Mm-hmm. That's all I can think. Of. And I, I I want Nayland here for two reasons. Number one, you would be able to explain it to me in a way mm-hmm. not that's condescending, mm-hmm. but in a way that would be like. You wouldn't say, okay, dummy, here's what it is about. Mm-hmm. But you, you would do it in a way without having to say it, right? But the same thing with art is that I would love to be in a, a gallery opening with you where uh, not only can you kind of explain the art a little bit more to me, but also uh, I would love your interactions with some of the pompous people. That would be just uh-huh. very fun to watch. Uh-huh. Very fun. Okay, so you, you've, you've used your leverage. I, I exuded my leverage. I'm, I think that's delightful that you think that I've, I've, uh, yes, I did use my leverage. I didn't, I haven't used it up, however. So, um, do you want to talk about so, cabin boy a little bit about the, uh, 
We, you know, I think we 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 can geek out about sure, Cabin okay. Boy another time. Uh, so, suffice to say, it is an amazing movie. If you haven't seen it, you should you should like rent it and watch it. So Veronica said that. Well, it is the '90s. When you watch it, it is in the '90s, and yes. it would be very interesting to see what they would do with that if they made it today. To see, you know what I mean? To see what what, what it would be. Uh, the thing to remember about with them is that. One of the things that they said in interviews afterwards is that they wanted it to be like the seventh voyage of Sinbad. Right. They wanted it to be like a, one of these crazy gladiator fantasy movies. Yes. And and when you look at it through that lens, then it becomes like a a, a whole different movie. <laughs> yes. Yes. It it isn't one of these movies that attempts. To take the even though the hero goes on a journey, the hero in no way goes on any journey. <laughs> like they, like he you, learns nothing. So, are you ready for the other? Thank you very much for sure for placating me and and, and also for telling me I was wrong without a way that may, completely crushed me. But yeah, I'm sure, I'm I mean sure there I'll, isn't a right and wrong thing. It's an etiquette question. It's an etiquette, right? Right? Yeah. Exactly. Because I don't want to be an asshole. They're the asshole, yeah, and I exactly. don't want to, in my actions, make me the bigger asshole out of the deal. Right. right, and and acknowledging that you might have misstepped socially in no way diminish. It doesn't make them right, right. But it's also you know I want to not I want to not make that you know again. Yeah. Right? Um. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sure. Uh. So are you ready for these? Are so. I'm so excited. These are so you've seen some of these questions because some yes. people posted on uh, my blog about it. Some people tweeted you mm-hmm. about it. Um, let's. I want to ask you one question beforehand. Is it a lot of these questions are about anal play, right? Sure. Sort of a a bad presumption just to say, hey, the gay guy knows about anal play. Uh, yes, I would say. I'm. I mean, and. Particularly in the circles that we move in, a there's uh, don't say we anal play in circles we move in <laughs> the nine circles. Um, there's uh, uh, you know I've attended more anal play classes taught by women at this point than I have taught by men, right? Um, and and particularly taught by gay men. Um, so, uh, I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm happy to answer the question. I mean, I, I'll see how far my knowledge goes. Um, but I'm saying, but, but it is a weird presumption. Not everybody is going to know. It's not going to automatically be everybody's favorite thing to do. Right. Right. It's like saying, oh, you're from Kansas. Let me ask you some questions about wheat. Exactly. Right. Yeah. How about that dust bowl thing? How's that? Do you you guys still, how's that work it out with you? Bet you all were glad to get rid of them Jodes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about that. It's almost like if you're from a from like sort of a remote state, people will say, "Oh, do you know?" And it'll be, yeah. you know what I mean, like, come on. I know it's a small population. I still get that from New York. Really? Oh yeah. That's really like people. I mean, with the, the, they'll ask if they know someone who's just yeah. Random, well, and, and particularly like, oh, you know? if they don't, maybe if they don't have a lot of gay friends. Oh, really? Right. So then if they know another gay friend who's in New York, they'll say, right. oh, do you know? Yeah. She's like, oh, I, I didn't see him at the weekly meetup yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <coughs> and, and it's one of those things that's hard because they're not trying to be – they're maybe trying to be nice, right? 
but yeah, at the same time always, showing their ignorance I, at the same time. I you think being, you always have to presume, or at least I always presume goodwill. I know so I don't really know anybody who acts out of malevolence. Right. So if somebody's asking me something that is a question that seems a little off, I just assume like they don't know. So they're just, just asking. At the same time, that's sort of a <clears throat> that's sort of a uh, weird position to be in to be always to, to be always be like okay how can I look at this in a way that's not dickish you know that you're in that position to say okay this sounds weird if I were to read this it would I'd be offended but I know this this you know what I mean it's just sort of awkward for you to always be in a position of okay let's assume this person isn't an asshole but that's the work that we do on ourselves yeah right I mean if you don't it either you can treat people in the world and give them the benefit of the doubt. Or you can leap to an, you know leap to your own conclusions about them, and then you'd spend all of your time angry and upset. And now, are we at a? This is like your third time on the show. Yeah, yeah. Are we now at a point where, uh, in our friendship, where if I said something, it, it's the it's the equivalent of if I had something in my teeth, I'd help you you tell me, right? Yes. And if I said something that was maybe just, I'd tell you. <laughs> Never mind. Moving. Leverage. <laughs> See, we're at the point of our friendship where we could talk about leverage. Right. Whereas before, it was just sort of it's, it was unspoken. Yeah. Right. All right. This is good. This is where it's a growth. It's a yeah, growth. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, this is the episode where both both Nayland and Axe learned a little bit something about themselves and each other. The deal is that I love to tease. It's good. Yeah. Uh, so, are you ready for the first question? Yes. Now, again, some of these you've heard. Okay. Some of these, some of these are short. Some of these are long. Some of these, are, I, 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 this is like, like we're getting to game show point here. Some okay. Of these, some of these are also nail and specific. So cool. it, it's, it's, uh, it's also partially, uh, I'm not, I'm not excluding. I, I, cause at first I thought that's a nail in question. That's not Dude, a game. Ask, guy a, question. ask the question. I will. <laughs> but it was, it was a, cause this is not. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, this was asked from Dove. How does art inform your kink? Um, I get variations on this a lot and, um, and hi Dove, um, they are basically the same thing to me. And I think I've talked about this on, on the earlier shows, you know, both kink and, and art are vehicles by which I can try to examine my own understanding of my place in the world by answering the question, like, what do I want to feel now? Do I want to feel powerful? Do I want to feel powerless or what do I want to see by, you know, by, by making something Mm -hmm. or, or drawing something? Um, those are the same impulse and I can take a look back after having done that and start to answer the question, okay, what did it mean that I wanted to feel that? You know, what did it mean that I wanted to be crushed in that moment? Right. What did it mean that I wanted everything to be lined up exactly and painted this particular color? Um, so they're the same thing. Do you find um, you have a different feeling afterwards when you're, when you're, because in one aspect, you have something left over. You have the art that you can always look back mm-hmm. upon, whereas the kink, you obviously can relive it in your mind. Mm-hmm. But 
it's kind of in, it's, it's in, it's gone with the wind as it says. Uh, do you have sort of a, when you look back on each one, do you sometimes maybe have a different, different filter when you look at the kink as opposed to the art? Because the art, you, it's physical. You can look yeah. at it right there. I mean, the kink, it is usually with another person sure. or people. And so in revisiting it, you know, that's something that there's a specific person to do together. Right. The art, the objects kind of go out into the world. And so then when that happens, uh, you know, a lot of other people, many of whom I don't know at all, have different experiences with it. And sometimes I get to hear that back. And so there's a very different kind of revisiting that goes on there. One is with people that I'm intimate with, and it's something that we've done together. And the other is a, a much uh, a, a much broader um, experience. Not to take away from what you just said, but I just mm-hmm. realized we've never had a conversation where I know something more than you. It's always either been... No. Yeah, it's true. We had, and when, you're, when you're back on, on the fourth time, we have to talk about javascript or something and i've got it i've got to i've got to have more knowledge and some someday i have to have your your all of your knowledge of your own experience is that much greater than, than i have a feeling you might that like, i have i don't know here. i have a feeling somehow you might know more about about you either scott's no. been telling you things on the no, side no, somehow no, no, no. Like, i told you all i have to find out about what's going on in your life by all, listening to the podcast what i'm saying is someday mm-hmm. i want to have leverage that's all i'm saying i want to have leverage today uh, next you question. Keep, you keep hope alive. <laughs> uh, what's the next question? Uh, this is uh, – let's do one that you haven't seen already. Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, I, had to, I had to ask for a clarification of what this was. Okay. Um, why are gay men so awesome? How do I befriend more of them? This is a two-parter. Okay. Why are gay men so awesome and how can I befriend – this is from a bisexual female. Okay. Um, uh, they aren't, uh, like some of them are right. Um, uh, and how can you befriend more of them? I think I know this person, right? I know this person fairly well. Mm -hmm. And I think what she is, she doesn't want to be what's, I mean, she, I think she really wants to be what is the colloquial term is of a fag hag, Right. She wants to. She wants to have a lot of gay friends. She has gay friends already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think she just wants more right. gay friends. Uh-huh. Is there some way? By the way, is fag hag an, uh, an offensive term? I don't know. She that's the, a, I these usually days, hear from women. Very few people guys. use it. In right. part because it's. Um, I usually hear gay guys saying it more than anyone. Yeah, and and it's and there's a lot of gay misogyny, there and you know. and and one of the reasons why it's kind of an offensive thing is that it automatically it's, it's not um, really presumed to be a kind of primary friendship. It sort of puts women in the weird sort of hanger on role. Right. Right. Like, Oh, it's, isn't that great that she's hanging around too? Okay. (laughs) Now the grownups are going to go do something, (laughs) going to go do a grown up thing and you go entertain yourself. What I think is, I think she doesn't want to be seen as that, Exactly, but she wants uh, she wants more gay friends. I um you know uh, go to more gay events. Um, 
I always think like host things. There you go. Like you know, have have like have a series of teas. But I think that the you know, I think the thing that lies underneath it is that one of the things. I'm sorry, I, I laughed. People didn't hear. I laughed when you said series of teas because I immediately thought T-shirts that she was like trying to sell T-shirts. <laughs> and I was like. That's a really uh, all right. I guess. Uh, yeah, but then you you, can, you, you, could, you, you could, Yeah, I, make, I imagine her make a series of T-shirts that say "Hey, gay, hey, awesome, gay guy." That's why I, laugh. I didn't friend. want you to think that tea in itself was like an ridiculously <laughs> funny idea. I know you um, just you offered me some tea earlier. Would you it's like delicious. more? Do you want more? No, no, I'm right. fine. Um, but I uh, but the the thing that sort of lies underneath this that I think is is um, important, and the question is that. One of the things that um, that queer people do um, for everyone is that they represent a possibility for a way of being in the world. Yeah. And it sounds a little bit in her question like, you know, these guys that she knows, she loves the way that they are in the world. And it gives her a kind of hope and she wants to be around that more. And that I would suggest is – Partially a function of them being gay, but more probably a function of these specific guys that sure. she's around. Yeah. Well, and her follow-up question might, because I had to ask what this was. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Her follow-up question was also: Isn't flaming saddles awesome? Oh. Do you okay. Know, do you know I what? don't know. You oh my god. The panel. I don't know what that is. Apparently, it's a bar uh, like on the Lower East Side that uh, all the bartenders dress up as cowboys. It's a gay uh-huh. bar. They dress up as cowboys, and then at different parts of the night, they all stand up on the bar and do choreographed dancing. Oh, cool. Well, there sounds, you go. That does sound fun. That I, so now I thought, my God, am I so out of the loop that I don't know what the, uh, the flaming saddle is? Right? Dude, we're old. Right, we're, so. we're, we're old. I mean, I'm older than you, and you're, and you're getting up there. God damn. I, so I have leverage in this area that the, there's a greater likelihood – that I'm going to live maybe two years longer than you. If I'm yes, yeah. So I'll have two years of senility. Well, I'll say, no, nope, Nalen said I was right. We just didn't write it. <laughs> He's not here to back it up, but I, I've got it written down somewhere. Um, uh, okay, here we go. Uh, hello, Axe and Nalen. I hope this question is appropriate. Oh, so I'm a straight guy who's into anal play and has recently been uh, delving into fisting. Mm-hmm. It took me a while. To work up to it, but I've been able to take uh, take a fist twice now. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to continue doing it, but as I've gotten through the process, I've noticed some subtle changes in how my body reacts, mm-hmm. responds to sexual stimuli. It seems it takes longer for me to get off now, when, mm-hmm. whether masturbating or with a partner. Mm-hmm. I produce less pre-cum than before, and the prostate st- stimulation that I respond to is more vigorous. Uh-huh. So my question is, is there some sort of... This is, man, this is a pretty good question. Uh, so my question is, is there some sort of post-fisting phenomenon that gay men are in the know about, kind of like how women sometimes experience changes in their responsiveness after childbirth. If so, what do they say about it? Or do you think I'm just experiencing ordinary age-related changes in my sexuality? I'm in my mid-30s and fisting has nothing to do with it, maybe. It would be the first time that I got all hypochondriac about something. Mm -hmm. Interested in your thoughts. I know not all gay men are into fisting, but I figure I'd take it. It's a long shot. Look forward, looking forward to the podcast when it airs. Okay. Well, let me say, first of all, congratulations. That's twice more than I've been able to. 
Hallmark has a card. Congratulations on your fist. Congratulations on your on taking your second fist. Right. Um, it's two little adorable fists, like hopping up and down and waving their arms. It's so cute. It's that old woman who's just, you know, <laughs> Maud or whatever her name is. Yeah, her like disgruntled, like throwing a a, a waste paper basket full of gloves <laughs> yes. out the back door. Right, right. Um, uh, I am by no stretch of the imagination a medical expert, but I will say that um, I think whenever you have that big a change in how you get off um it uh both your body and your mind um adjust to it in different ways so this may be as much a mental situation as it is a physical one um it may be that um it, you know the, it's such a um you know it it's such a huge achievement or it's like, you know, when you unlock that achievement, <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, to actually take a fist, it's such a big hurdle psychologically um, that it's really exhilarating. Um, and it starts to feel like that's the real thing. Yeah. And anything else is kind of the lead up. Yeah. So it may be that you are now associating um, – really getting off with your um with your prostate being really vigorously stimulated with um it taking a lot longer i mean it you know anytime that somebody is fisting if they're doing it right it takes a long time to get warmed up to get to the place so that's very different than the way most people experience sexual play you're sure. usually you know um kind of in and out really right. fast um, comparatively, right. Comparatively, <clears throat> right. Right. So you may have, um, a- accommodated yourself to a longer warm up and then a much more intense sensation. And it's hard for you to flip back to, um, other types of play. I would actually suggest, um, uh, try a, um, try holding off on the anal play for a bit. And also um, try some chastity, and that could potentially give you the sense of, you know, giving you an opportunity to listen to other parts of your body. Yeah, I've <clears throat> I have heard of people when they like if they had a long term sexual goal, and then when they finally reach that goal, they have to sort of like do a reset. Yeah, in a way, right? Because it's like either either because they're just their mind is so blown away by that that everything else kind of is less in comparison or something yeah. like that just for the time being as that wake is still going that uh, they just sort of like abstain for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden they're back, you know, everything. Yeah. Back to regular. Yeah. Um, you, by the way, I think it's a little misleading then that all your business cards say Dr. Nalen Blake, even though you're not, <laughs> you should maybe say that too. When they, <clears throat> And the stethoscope on the business card makes you think. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah. It's your, yeah. It's your choice. I'm not going to yeah. go into it. Okay. Let's see here. <laughs> uh, here's one. Shouldn't all, all men, regu- uh, regardless of orientation, shave their junk? I say junk for, and I like 
the phrase junk for genitalia. Yeah, yeah, junk's uh, great. So I'm surprised that someone else is using it as well. I thought I was like the last person. Uh, no, there's a, there's a lot of fans of junk. Um, uh, have you ever seen a picture of me? I mean, I guess this person is sort of asking, like, they're asking a gay guy in general. Um, you know, I'm a child of the 70s. Uh, I don't think anybody should shave. You don't think everyone should shave? You know, I think that um, it works. Uh, it. Uh, I mentioned chastity before. It, it works if you're doing chastity to get a lot of hair out of the way so that the device doesn't like pull on hair and cause pain. Other than that, um, no, I don't think so. You know, your, your, uh, your partner may really like it, but, um, I don't care how much you like smooth skin. Nobody likes nubs. And, and like, basically like if you're dealing with my body or a lot of the guys I sleep with, you know, 25 minutes in you're talking nubs like we <laughs> by the way we are proudly furred people <laughs> i saw the pilot episode of nobody liked nubs in the 80s <laughs> yeah terrible terrible sitcom yeah yeah so there you have it there you have it that's uh not everybody so um this is from jack stratton uh-huh. i saw this one yeah uh, what's what's it like being the first man to top jack stratton Glorious. Let me just say that, um, first of all, we not, we're going to go ahead and say what we'll send this to him for approval. If we, you know, uh, okay. So, so well, you know. let's just say, um, first of all, Jack is in some ways, so totally my type. Um, and, uh, and I was, um, uh, I was quietly crushing out on him for ages before anything happened. And that is sort of my style that I am like, you play the long game. I am completely willing to play the long game. And a lot of times people ask me actually about, because jokingly now among my friends, I'm, we've kind of acknowledged I'm the exception. Like, I'm the person who, uh, you know, I am the guy who has been with the gold star lesbian, <laughs> you know, and I'm the gay guy that straight guys will consider. And everybody likes Nayland. Well, which is the spinoff of nobody likes nubs. Part of it is don't be a jerk. Right. Like, even though I, you know, found Jack like super attractive from the get go, I was not like all over him propositioning him sexually. And so the way that we got together um, is that I was. Uh, working on, uh, I was I was working uh, at an event for Purple Passion, and he came by and he was like looking at our canes, and um, and he hitched up his pants leg, um, and tested out 
a cane on his calf. Now, calves are like one of my major zones of fixation. Like I love a pair of meaty calves and, and Jack has great calves. Um, secondly, I love to cane. Thirdly, when he did that, like oh so casually, he was wearing socks with sock garters, which are another one of my obsessions. Like, I love a man in sock garters. Do you think he did his research beforehand just to tempt you? I don't necessarily think so. But but it, I, I displayed all of my suaveness um, by, like, watching him do that for a second tucking my tongue back into my mouth and walking over and saying, you know, if you ever want someone else to do that, (laughs) (laughs) please, please consider me. Right. And, um, and, you know, like saying it in a way that totally gave him an out that was like a really gracious, like, And it sounds like a compliment, if anything. It totally was a compliment. Um, he was looking entrancing. And so he, uh, you know, he said, um, oh, really? Like, like, you know, he displayed interest back. And then I was like, oh, fantastic. Well, you know, I had no idea that you played with boys. Sure. Um, uh, and then he admitted to being a pain pig. So <laughs> that was like, oh, okay, <laughs> that can work. Right. So, you know, that's the thing about being an, excep- an, an exception, yeah. right? It's like, um, be willing to find what works and don't just like press your agenda on the person, like approach them carefully and respectfully and, you know, uh, give them gracious ways to turn you down. Yeah. Um, but, it, but then when we finally did play and did the scene where I got to cane him on his calves while he was wearing the sock garters, it was like the hottest thing Oh my God. It was, it was, as I said, it was glorious. You that, know? Was a, that was a 10 on the nail and scale there. That was you, a 10 on the nail and scale. Yeah. I have two kind of like follow-up questions to that. So, um, I have some friends who are bi mm-hmm. or, or gay and, and, and when they, they, if they get approached, they get approached quite often by straight guys or couples who want an experience with a guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes they complain that, and I've heard this on a podcast too, they complain that it's so, almost sort of like they're not treated so much as people as stunt cocks in a way, mm-hmm. right? And uh, while so, at first maybe it's a little exciting for them, uh, at the same time they're like, you know, I just I don't want to be that, right? you know, right. I'm a person type of thing, right? Right. Um, so uh, I can understand if someone wants the, their first experience with a guy because they're curious and so they approach someone that, who's safe. Have you been in that position before where you've been approached by someone and, and – because I imagine that's – I have no idea what the reaction would be. The reaction might be like, well, you, are you just going to like use me for that? Or, or maybe the reaction is like, yeah, sure, awesome, right? I don't I, – I, it, Again, it really depends on the circumstance. Right. So there are um, – there are some people for whom um, you have the feeling of like, oh, if this really is their first and they're really trying to figure out about it, sure, I want to, I want to, 
have it be great for them and not traumatic and not, and, and also, um, I, I mean, my feeling is that I always sort of want it to be lighthearted. Like I don't, I don't want them to feel like there's, they're being asked, they're being asked to do more than they can handle. Um, I would say that, uh, there are times when I'm happy to just be a piece of meat, like that, that, Sure. That's great. You right. want a stunt cock? Okay. Right. Fantastic. Um, if that was my entire um, diet, if that was the only way that I was interacting with people sexually, then I, then that would really get me down. Because it would be all about someone else's stuff. Yeah. And, you know. But there can be something hot about – I mean, I, I, um, I like forced by um, – in part because uh, because it's not a primary thing for me. Yeah. When you say forced by, you mean the quote unquote, obviously the quote unquote forced by when someone's like, oh no. And it's almost some, some people, that's their only way they experience their bisexuality because that's sometimes that's the only way they can sort of accept it if they're being forced by the dom or something like that. Or is that yeah, what there's that, but, but sometimes there's also the, um, humiliation the aspect of it that I can, that I can get off on. Sure. If, if, you know, in my, in my day to day life, if you are a person who thinks it is so horrible to suck dick, you know, that that makes you like lower than low. And everybody who does that is lower than low Then I'm like, you know, I will see you later. Right. On the other hand, in the context of a scene, if, if you want to go there um, and, and sucking my dick like puts you in that place, then I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm, you know, I'm totally fine with like, yeah, straight guy, you're sucking a faggot's dick <laughs> right now. The, and I, cause I've, people have written long articles on force buying, whether or not it's offensive or, or, and the, the key for me is that they, in some people, it's it's just some remnant that's left over in their brains. They need that, even though they're asking for it. Right, mm-hmm. the, the scene starts is only happening because they've they've either paid for it or they're asking for right. it. They just for them it's the hotness of it for them is mm-hmm. the fact that someone's well right. okay. You're telling right. me, I guess right. I have no right. choice. You know, um, uh, I had a follow up that. I think that the thing is there that the, the, and this is the problem with so many of these arguments online. And it's one of the reasons why I don't really read the discussion groups on FetLife. You can't sexuality like art is an experience that is unique to each one of us. And it's meanings are so contextual and so unique to each one of us that we immediately run into terrible territory when we try to generalize them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yes, in some circumstances forced by is incredibly homophobic and socially retrograde in some contexts. S and M is, is, you know, socially retrograde. Um, in other contexts, it's, um, completely liberating. Yeah. And and we just can't generalize in that way. And that's the hardest thing. It's nuance, right? Exactly. <clears throat> and yeah, it's really it's really frustrating. And I think that holds us, it holds everyone back when you don't, you know. Mm-hmm. I knew that FetLife. Uh, I had started using FetLife differently when I joined the web developers FetLife group. 
just to I, kind of, I kind of love that. I mean, that's, that's a testament to like the, the, um, sort of the power of FetLife. And I really wonder like where FetLife ranks in terms of, um, social networks. Yeah. Like what its numbers are compared to some of these other groups. Well, the, the really interesting thing for me is that you, you, you I, like there's an Apple discussion group, right? Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating to me is that the people when they're when they're discussing something geek related, they're not as assholeish as they might be if you go to like an Apple discussion forum or something like that. <clears throat> I remember the follow up note I was going to ask you. Mm-hmm. If it's going to be the first experience, like if there's a guy that you're playing and it's his first experience with another guy, mm-hmm. do you approach that differently, or is it sort of like? I mean, obviously, again, context, we're not going to generalize, but do you say to yourself, okay, first time, I don't want to, you know, or or you're you're just like, you're just going to make this fun like every every other time? Yeah, I mean, I I think whenever you're playing with somebody and it's their first time for anything, you, you do a lot of talking, you do a lot of checking in. I mean, I think about like... You know, I'm, I start now, I'm at the point where I'm starting to get this a lot that I'm, that I get people approaching me for like daddy boy scenes, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, uh, both, uh, and, you know, some, uh, I've had it happen with, um, straight identified men. I've had it with, I've, I've had it happen with trans men. I've had it happen with, um, you know, with, with gay men and each one of them, when it's a first time, there has to be like a real discussion about like what that means for them, what that, what that word means for them, what they want it to mean, what are they envisioning and going on? And I imagine that, that means that that kind of paints how you it, it see, changes right? what you do. Yeah. This uh, brings us to uh, Sinclair's question. She asked earlier. Yeah. yeah. I've heard you say that you're a reluctant daddy. Is that still true? What does that mean? Um, I think uh, that, um, and, and and when I initially sort of designed that designed that course, notes for reluctant daddy, my age play class, um, it was because uh, the when I was first being approached about. Um, about being a daddy for somebody, it brought up all of this stuff in me that I hadn't really had not examined before. And had also, you know, sent me back to some really failed encounters that, that I'd had earlier on, um, in my life. And so now I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a reluctant daddy, but I would say that I am, cautious about it in part because it's one of those words that people use it like crazy thinking that they know what it means, but it has very different valences for each person. And I've, I've also learned that um, there are people for whom I can't be daddy. Yeah. You know, cause it's, it, it, it's asking me to access a part of myself that I need to be, uh, I need to, um, have, 
a great deal of trust with. I, I would also say, um, I mean, here's something else that I found out over this time is that, um, like, I have a person that I've that I've, I've been getting together with regularly, and we had a really hard time figuring out how to fit together and make it work for us. Yeah. And our, the initial role that we really went into was sort of like daddy and boy and me being really toppy and, and it just didn't work. It didn't feel right. I was really attracted to them, but we couldn't like figure out a way to make it work. And now we have this thing where like they're kind of my older brother and yeah. I'm their younger brother. And I don't have that. A, it's not a relationship that I ever had growing up. Yeah. And it's a really, really different headspace for me. And it's very, uh, it's, it's new and interesting, but that's one of those places where the sort of, what would seem to be the natural fit for the roles right. was actually completely wrong. Right. Uh, every time you mention one of your talks, I keep thinking I need to, create a site that's just basically people's presentations it's just their presentations and the audio and the screw this you know it would just be very that's 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 my life goal right there for you and it'll there'll be a whole nail in section it'll be the, <laughs> the page section um uh if you had uh if you had to serve yourself to a group of cannibals uh uh-huh. how would you prepare yourself and why okay um uh, interesting uh in that i uh uh, for a while when I was deeply into the gaining scene, sort of the darkest parts of it um, were about being fattened up as livestock. Really? So, oh yeah. Like there's, I mean, there is a whole, there, there's a whole scene. So uh, it would totally be long pig scenario. Like, you know, um, spit roasted, probably possibly barbecue that, you know, that would be the way. I'm, I'm glad that you've actually. So I thought I was going to stump you with that one, but it, clearly, <laughs> uh, uh, that was a good. That was a good one to spring on. I, I didn't. I didn't. That was not mine. These are yeah. all other people. Yeah, yeah. I want to know about gym culture and how we can get straight guys interested in looking as good as gay guys. Maybe they mean have as much invested in it or something. I don't know. Uh, okay, uh, this is one of the ones that I saw beforehand, and and ask her. I want you to take a second and think what you're asking. Like, do you want straight men to have as many body issues as women do? Are you saying that's what it is? Really? The, the, like, why don't straight men look as good as gay men? Um, you know, I used to, when I first moved back to New York City, I, the first job that I got was as a, um, towel boy slash receptionist at the Chelsea gym, which was the epicenter of the, of the Chelsea boy phenomenon. Right. And it cured me of any body issue, body image issues that I ever had. Really? Because I got to see how long those guys, like how much work it took to get those bodies and how completely fragile those guys were. Wow. So like they could be walking in and I could say, wow, you're looking a little smaller today. And they would flip and race up to the weights. Like 
so you these would- were not people who necessarily felt good about themselves. I will say that one of the things, uh, the, one of the differences between gay men and straight men is that gay men can both be attracted to a certain sort of guy and also have the possibility of making themselves into that sort of guy. Right. Yeah. Which is something that straight men don't quite have. Sure. You know? Um, so that's a thing that fuels a lot of gym culture. It's like guys are attracted to a certain sort of body. So they, so one of the ways to meet those guys is by going to the gym. Um, but then also there's the opportunity to sort of like give yourself that body. Yeah. That's interesting. I never thought about that before. So I don't, I, I, I get what you're asking, I don't necessarily know if you want all of the psychology that goes along with it. <laughs> right. Uh, we've got just a couple more here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your opinion on no fats or femmes? Do you know what that means? I don't even know what that means. I, okay. well, I think I, it means no overweight people. I have um, – this is actually a holdover from um, when people used to write personal ads for – publication like in magazines and it was a it was a a phrase that you would see all the time in the 70s and 80s people would finish off their their um their ad with no fats no femmes no phonies bye 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 bonds uh yes that was like so um i actually have a t-shirt that um that i just got recently that says yes fats yes femmes (laughs) um you know here's one of the things it's um this is the flip side of that uh, of that gym culture is that the guys who had the time and the wherewithal to go to the gym and get those bodies would then turn around and say, like, I don't want to be with somebody who's fat. Right. And I look like a real man. I don't want to be with a with somebody who looks like a faggot. I don't want to be with somebody who's femmy. Right. So that phrase, no fats, no femmes in many ways was really evidence of a kind of internalized homophobia. Right. You know, it was about like, no, this is about masculine men being together and, and effeminacy is, uh, you know, uh, some holdover from something else. And we're not interested in it. And I'm not interested in women and I'm not interested in men who act like women. So is this, is it still fairly prevalent prevalent or is it, is it sort of like, um, like you don't, you don't hear it as much anymore. And, and certainly like among, um, uh, among sort of younger queer people, it's like you, you know, I, you never hear it. Well, or, that's good. Yeah. So I'm like, yes, fats, yes, fats. <laughs> Phonies. The, uh, that's the tease you're throwing. Is the T-shirt that? Uh, oh yeah, those are the yeah. I didn't I didn't make that tea. I can't remember where I got it from, but um, I can I we can link to. I have a picture of me of it on me and our Tumblr on my Tumblr. And so you have several Tumblrs, don't you? Yeah. I do. We'll have to link to all of them because yeah. one of them is very. What was the one you told me about? It was uh, uh, oh, Mopey Band, Mopey Bear Dandies. Because <laughs> we were having this conversation yes, about yes, dandies, about dandies, and you said I have a Tumblr called Mopey Bear Dandies, and I thought that's a joke. There's no way. <laughs> and I googled it, and sure enough, I was like, it was so hilarious. 
Uh, da, da, da. I'd like to, uh, add, okay, here's another one here. Uh, what's the best way to clean out the colon? Oh, um, you're asking the wrong person. I mean, I would really look at, take a look at like Tristan, you know, to Tristan Tamarino's, uh, um, Anal, what is it? Anal sex and health. I can't. I can't remember. Um, Tristan's book on anal play right. is really, really good for all that. I um, usually, if I'm gonna play, I have like a shower shot at home, and I just you know fill up and rinse out. I don't really use soap or anything. Right. You know, you don't want to. You don't really want to use anything that's gonna irritate. Um, uh, any of the tissues so right. just like you know body temperature water and you can overdo it and that's the yeah 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 and you can uh, you can definitely um over clean yeah um and then you get very it, you know it it you get like very tensed and it it gets actually harder to take larger toys it's almost like uh, it's if you wash your hands but if you wash your hands too much it, it, it's like yeah, you get it's, it feels like chapter whatever, yeah. and you know, and part of it I think is also um, here's the thing, it's your ass, that's where shit is. Like, yes, you can you can make sure that it's clear, but it's not ever gonna be like a hundred percent shit free. <laughs> don't don't say that to someone. <laughs> It'll never be clean. <laughs> Just ruined it for so. Uh, here's an. Uh, I think this might be the last one. I have to look. Uh, explain prostate orgasms. Oh, okay. Um. Wow. Um. Again, I absolutely no medical training. Um. You know that's uh that's actually a Romulan ship that you mistook for a, a stethoscope on my business card. Okay. Sorry. Damn. Okay. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta look a little bit closer. And my title pad. is Doctor <laughs> It's a wrong ship on your prescription pad. As well, yeah, too. exactly. <laughs> yeah, take two for Rangi. Call me in the morning. <laughs> um, anyway, oh, man, this is this went downhill fast. Um, I, I listen. I'm. We can nerd out. I am perfectly. <laughs> I have no problem with the level of nerdiness. I I already I heard about the Dungeons and Dragons game. Right, that exactly. is like that's you, there's there is where you know more than I do. We've got to, you've got to join us for one game. It's absolutely hilarious. I, you know I have never played. We never played until this game is well. I'll, we'll we'll, we'll uh, fill okay. We we can talk about that. Yeah. Um. Because that's one of the I one of the Venn diagrams I've been thinking about a lot lately is like the sort of furry gamer kink overlap. Like that's right. a really interesting cultural thing that's going on anyway. Um, prostate orgasms. Uh, I don't know. You're when you rub your prostate, it feels good. Um, I, I will say this, and this comes out of like the doing chastity a lot. Yeah. Um, I have been able um, to be in situations where um, I uh, am not hard, 
and yet have experienced an orgasm that is really just from um, prostate stimulation. It is different than um, it's different than shooting, but that sensation of being overwhelmed by pleasure and um, and your body becoming so sensitized like that every yeah. touch is is almost too much yeah that is that is very much the same i've been um, there yeah i know what you, i know what you're talking about yeah it's you know great. the mechanics of it or if it's it or if it's about um how do you have one i think you you have to train your body to understand what it's feeling, you know, don't give it other distractions. Like don't grab your cock in the middle, even though you may really, really want to. That was the hardest thing for me to, because it, you're, 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 it's something completely new and having to, you, it's just, it's, it, it was the most difficult thing for me to kind of wrap my head around and to basically you just have to completely let go and stop trying to yeah. figure it out. Right. And but at the same time, it's almost like saying, "Don't think of an elephant." It's it's mm-hmm. it is extremely difficult to do for me, at least it was. Yeah. Um, but that's but like once you do it, it's also like what an incredible gift. Yeah. Because it's like the, here's this whole other way of thinking about sensation and also thinking about like what sex yeah. is or could be. Yeah. And it's and it's totally and. and it's almost like, where the hell has this been previous? You know, it's very bizarre. Then. Uh, last question is a Nayland specific question. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite photograph you've ever taken and why? Uh, I saw this one and, 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 uh, it's like your children. You can't pick one. Type this is, this is from Sinclair. And yeah. it's like, um, the, you know, a Sinclair love you. Great question for radio. <laughs> we, could put a link. we could put up a link we could put up a link that's true. i know um i and and this is the one that kind of stumps me i it's uh i suppose it's good that you can't pick one because yeah. if you could pick one then you'd be like okay all of my other ones are not nearly as good as this one but because you have so many you could possibly choose from that's probably i like the fact i mean one of my tumblers is um just pictures that I'm take with my phone mm-hmm. and I try to do it every day. I don't quite, I don't quite get there, but I've been doing it for years at this point. So, um, so there's, you know, a couple of hundred pictures up there. And, um, and just today I put one up that, um, you know, I just, I, there was something about the totality of it that made me really feel like, you know, this is a pic, this isn't a picture that I would have taken a few years ago. And that was exciting and, and fun to me. It's like this picture of icicles in my train station. And that I think that, um, the thing that is amazing about photography and it's not, it's funny, you know, I, I now spend so much time thinking about photography and I never really did earlier on it. If you do it enough, it really informs the way that you look at the world. Right. It really, inf- it really trains your eye. 
And, um, and that's, you know, that's an exciting thing. Well, maybe this is a perfect way for us to leave it. We'll have a link to your photo, mm-hmm. photo tumbler and your, uh, and Mopey Bear Dandies. Mopey Bear Dandies. And, and all the um, links. Yeah, and there's there's another one which um, is the result of an exhibition that I was in, in last summer. Um, it's called, called yeah, called Knee Deep in the Floating Victory. It was a show that um, in some ways was talking about um, my experience in Times Square in the 70s, like going and picking up guys. But it's got a lot of queer stuff in it. It's got a lot of great like costumes and outfits and gender play and stuff from the runway and cultural figures that I think are important and resources. And so it's a that's a very fun. We'll have tumbler. all those. So there'll be links for your photography, something to make people think, and then something to people to uh, Google dandies. Yeah, and that'll be. Uh, it's always a blast when you're here, and yeah. I hope we can do this again. Luke Me too. Gay guy too. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. Again, you can find uh, all of Nate Lane, Nalen's links, including uh, a link to his uh, Tumblr, Mopey Bear Dandies. And uh, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for donating. We'll see you later. Bye bye.